The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Sirius XM's Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Check the Heisman House commercials during Saturday's college football games or look at one of the latest launches in the electric vehicle space. And there's no question Nissan is going through a wholesale transformation. It's trying to reinvent itself with attractive products that also have a cool factor associated with them. Nissan's also working hard to repair a reputation that has been a bit sullied in the last few years, a makeover that was kickstarted with a change of leadership globally and in the North American region. It's working closely with its car dealers to try and energize the brand and change the direction of a company that has had its share of missteps and shocking headlines. The world has more questions than answers about former auto executive Carlos Ghosn's recent journey from arrest in Japan to a parent's safe refuge in Lebanon. A mystery made all the more intriguing, Charlie Daggett tells us. Because of speculation, he smuggled himself out in a box. Carlos Ghosn aside, at the center of the transformation in North America is a French citizen who's opening doors again with customers and dealers, while the brand undergoes a reboot of its product lineup. It's a heady task for Nissan North American chairperson, Jeremy Papin, but it's working. The Nissan brand has a new lease on life, and Papin is the one trying to give it the bolt of energy it desperately needs. He might not be the one you'd expect to be leading the charge, a Frenchman located in Nashville now, where Nissan's headquartered. But Papin, who oversees operations and performance for the Nissan and Infiniti brands across all of North and South America, is exactly the right person to do it at the right time. He has a mission restore Nissan in the American mindset and continue the transformation, relying heavily on Nissan's rich culture where possible. Today, he tells his story and the Nissan story. Hi, this is Jeremy Papin, chairperson of Nissan Americas, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Jeremy, thank you for having me in your Nashville home, in your Nissan home, and uh, we happen to be sitting in front of one of your star players that is... Uh, that is front and center for the brand and is so important to the revitalization of Nissan. And I do want to talk about that revitalization, but let's talk first about what it means to you two years into your role, four years in America, mm -hmm. and you're firmly behind the driver's seat of a cultural revolution here at Nissan. Exactly. Right in the middle of Nashville. <laughs> right in the middle of Nashville where, uh, you know, life is good and uh, we're preparing for the future of the automotive industry. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, transformation where, you know, three steps, changing the product. Uh, many, many new models came to market in the past uh, uh, few years. Uh, I can, I've got 10 in mind. I won't name all of them, but new Rogue, new Pathfinder, new Frontier, new Sentra. We've got the new Z and uh, obviously the all new uh, model year 23 area uh, coming to market, uh, changing the business, how we do business, what we're focused on, what is a job well done, that's been redefined at Nissan, and of course changing the culture, a culture of innovation, um, and to foster a culture of innovation, you need diversity, inclusiveness, and uh, people who have a huge sense of belonging and want to contribute. And so 
we're making sure all of this happens here. There's a lot to talk about there, but let's talk about the cultural differences and the and diversity. I, we can't go any further. Anybody listening to this program would know that you are not from Tennessee. <laughs> um, it, you you grew up in France, um, and as I mentioned a moment ago, you're you are four four years now living in North America. You came you came from France. You came from a very varied background. You I'm guessing you didn't think you'd even be sitting here today. Is that right? No, I I I, I never. But you know, seizing opportunities uh, and. Uh, having uh, strong ideas about what to do when it comes to execution and strategy. Uh, my industry has always been the auto sector. I've been working on it, looking at it, contributing to it for over 20 years. Um, 10 years in banking, 10 years at Nissan, four years into the US, having a financial background, but really having a very strong view of what it is to do good business and bringing it and executing it here at Nissan with uh, with the team, and yes, we are in uh, in Nashville, which is f fabulous to be in because mm. it's a place where there's strong growth, a lot of optimism, fast-growing pace, uh, plenty of new people moving here, uh, very various backgrounds, and so we're capturing this inside the capturing this inside the company as well in terms of the the mindset that that we have is one of confidence and looking forward to the future. We worked with some of the same analysts through the years, some very famous, well-known automotive analysts. What would inspire you to make the jump uh, from one who watches the sector, uh, admittedly from the first row, to one that's inside the, that's in the game, that's on the field or in the ring? Pure, it was a pure opportunity, but how can you say no when you're being told, rather than looking and advising or looking and uh, making an opinion, why don't you come and try to do it? And, uh, and uh, you know, I take pride in now absolutely contributing to bringing new technology to the consumer, um, motivating the people, having the whole team look at the future in confidence and thinking there's so much we can bring. Um, and so, yeah, the, there's, there, it's, a, it's a serious shift but it is one that I have no regrets about, and I absolutely think, actually, each step of my career led me to being uh, confident about what I'm doing today. There are many who have spoken about the, the auto industry and some of its deficiencies, and I imagine, as an analyst, you would have identified some of the same things. Kind of burns through capital at a, at a lightning-quick pace. Um, Sergio Marchione, the former head of Fiat Chrysler, once said that um, it is, if you want to waste a whole bunch of capital, go into the auto industry. What, if you go back to your, your view before joining Nissan, what was your view of the, of the automotive world? I, I, I agree with you know, a lot of what others have analyzed, but I would say this is what creates the opportunity. Yeah. Inefficiency uh, and uh, in you know, capital allocation or an experience from the customer that uh, you know, we can clearly improve. That's, that's what brought me into uh, this challenge and the willingness to change and ch change how business is being done and why business is being done and, you know, asking the five whys and trying to bring in from the outside a different perspective and a different view. I think there's plenty of, uh, of opportunity, obviously, of improvement. And when I, I think it's also one where very often people think about or describe the automotive industry as one of lack of growth or zero-sum game, and mm. it's not that. It's with the technology that's coming, it's new streams of revenue, 
new opportunities to uh, satisfy customer, create a new experience, more personalized experience. All of this is completely new. Uh, did we have any idea that it could be that case 10, 15 years ago? No, but as we learn, as we discover, as we are ambitious for what we do, that's what we discover. And so that's, the, that's what you know, drives me every day to work. Mm. There are many executives who've talked about this being the decade or, or the period of time that will have indeed the greatest momentous change that the industry has ever experienced. And you and I having been in the business for about the same amount of time can say, well, that's been, that was said 10 years ago or that was said 15 years ago. And every generation says that that's the time now. But this is really the time, isn't it? I, I, I think we're, we're seeing technology come into the industry um, and, uh, you know, in, uh, in vehicles that are mass market vehicles. And uh, that was not, as so much uh, technology coming in was not the case in the past. And that's the, that's the big change today. Um, and also the fact that we're redefining what the auto industry is. It becomes, some, of, some aspects of it are consumer electronics. Uh, some of it, some aspects of it are media uh, or entertainment, right? And, uh, and, and so I think this is what's so, so, so much fun for us because it's so much fun for the customer, right? I mean, electric vehicles, I know we'll talk about it, but it's about driving pleasure. It's about connectivity. It's about uh, aids or assistance to how you mm -hmm. drive that make your journeys just so much more safe and confident. With that comes a lot of value that, you know, the customers fully enjoy and actually value that's being created for the industry overall. The two years that you've been um, sitting in the chair that you occupy right now, that's a heck of a time to come into a business given what we've endured over the last two years. You arrive in this role and COVID is, has taken hold. How was that challenge? How did you meet that challenge? There's never a dull day in the, in the auto industry, <laughs> yes. right? So uh, I think I'm, I'm very comfortable with uncertainty. I'm very comfortable with change. And, and I'm very confident about the fact if there's one thing Nissan is good at is, you know, reacting and, and uh, working as a team uh, to find solutions when uh, one, uh, the, the environment is changing fast. Yeah, definitely COVID and how to work together from home uh, while launching all the new cars with yeah. uh, the, on the right uh, time, uh, with the right level of uh, quality or even beyond and, uh, and, uh, and continuously building this, uh, this brand and excitement, launching the Thrill platform, which, you know, is really well defining what, uh, what Nissan stands for with the customers. Yeah, all of this is... Uh, is part of uh, continuously being prepared for the unexpected. And uh, I would say it's more than a mindset, a little, a few processes, but it's really embracing change. That's what we're trying to do here. What do you think you learned the most having gone through it now? I think it's all about the strength of the team and the teamwork and the quality of the relationships that have been built. And also being, being accepting the fact that we're a learning organization, that each of us need to continuously learn, um, and that together we're smarter than any each expertise. 
contributes. And so I'm so proud of having a very diverse team in terms of experiences and backgrounds, obviously being myself uh, different. And, uh, and, uh, but it, it, and th that's what it is. It's about you know, the people is what will drive the success of the, of the future. And that's what I'm very focused on is who we are and how we work together. And we spend a lot of time thinking through how we work together to achieve what. You, you admitted to me privately, you, you've got, you had a bit of a cultural um, uh, piece to clean up, if you will. You had to change the Nissan's cultural approach or, its, or, or the way that it was doing business. Tell me a little bit more about that. What, what needed to shift in your mind? Uh, we, we, the, the overarching strategy change is a, a change from val volume to value. And what we're trying to do here is building a very strong brand focused on the customer, the excellence of the customer experience, aiming at creating uh, as many advocates as we can and, uh, and uh, fully delivering on, the, on the, what the customer expects. And that is, you know, a thrill when he's driving or when he's a passenger, um, uh, a seamless customer journey as he's buying the car, a terrific inside the car experience while driving it, uh, quality that is uh, you know, a no-brainer and not a source of concern, and a, a go-to-market strategy that allows us to control and secure high residual values. And if you put all of this together, you just grow in a steady pace, and every step you make is a step on which you're, you can build uh, further uh, and, uh, and, for the, and for the very long term. And so we're not in any way less ambitious than before, but how we do the business is just systematically built on a step that we can build the next step on. So we're taking no shortcuts. Uh, we've redefined how we work with our dealers. We've redefined how we're working with our suppliers. Um, the culture inside the company has changed. But again, as all the pieces get put together, we have a very strong and solid business that we're very happy about. As you say, it's, it's not that the strategy has a different speed, it's just a different strategy. And for those listening to this program who wouldn't know, it was a strategy of a market share goal uh, that resulted in, in a lot of decisions that um, you know, some dealers who I talked to said that it really damaged the brand to some extent. There were some people who were very upset about that, about that uh, direction. How, how hard is it to just, generally I'll say, not, not Nissan, how hard is it to just pursue that volume that you mentioned earlier? I, I, no, no holds barred volume play. No, I, I, again, you know, we don't. We want to grow the brand and uh, sell the value, sell, a, have a business proposition to the customer of one where he is uh, buying the car uh, or the truck, the SUV, out of uh, pleasure and as often as possible a positive emotion. Uh, we want to uh, uh, have attainable prices. We want to be. Uh, we are a mass market uh, manufacturer. Market share matters, but again, uh, it is it is not a price war. It is not a price competition. It is all about uh, selling uh, selling the the car at the right price to a customer who then will become a loyal customer and advocate and so on. And that's what we're systematically uh, building. And in the past, uh, you know, few years, there's one thing where with uh, changes coming in in production plans and so on, we've never really uh, ne you know, neglected or, uh, or uh, reduced in any way is our investment in the brand, our investment in the future technologies. 
those were two areas of the businesses where we were absolutely, resolutely ambitious and kept being because we want to bring the, the products to market. We want to show the people how much the brand has changed and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and we want as many people as possible to experience what Nissan has to offer. Did Nissan lose its way? I, I, again, different times, different strategy, different needs. Uh, we were brought in uh, to set a strategy where by selling the value, we could achieve the corporate goals that uh, you know, allow us to invest in the future, create long-term sustainable shareholder value for the, for the shareholders. And so that's what we're very focused on. Uh, that's what we're very focused on today. And that's what you know, we feel comfortable we're delivering. You mentioned uh, electric vehicles, and uh, we're uh, we're sitting here uh, in front of one that that you know you have you have very high hopes for, and uh, we've had the chance to take out on the road, you and I. Um, it's kind of funny, we came across a Nissan Leaf that was on the road next to us, who you could argue is either the mother or the father of the vehicle that we were driving the Aria. Is it kind of funny to you now to think that the whole world is now talking about EVs when? Nissan was talking about EVs a decade ago. The, the world's kind of caught up to the discussion that you were having back then. I, I think there are many reasons why EVs are the future. Um, we've been convinced about it for a long time. The, the driving pleasure, you had the, mm -hmm. the opportunity of, of test driving the area earlier today. I'm sure it's not your first EV uh, drive, but uh, you know, this, this vehicle is trying to bring something new to, the, to its, uh, to its uh, segment. And so customers, when they have driven EVs, usually see a difference and really enjoy that moment, enjoy that ride. You know, that's what we're very focused on. Now, with technology, we also have better range, faster charging, more charging at home. And so there's a... There's a, a and a new opportunity, I would say, to address a wider a wider market and more uh, and uh, and uh, and buyers that are interested in both the rationality of why the EV makes sense, uh, but also uh, the emotions of now is the right time for me to uh, to shift. When I hear that, you know, maybe 40, 50 percent of the people say my next car will be an EV. I'm happy we're coming to market mm. with the area. I'm happy about what's next in terms of our, of our range. Now, the pace at which this will happen, uh, we will let the consumer choose, and so we will always be offering both uh, extraordinary uh, new and, uh, and good uh, electric vehicles, but as well continuously uh, offering uh, uh, you know, very competitive uh, combustion engines uh, in the lineup, uh, letting the customer choose. But I can understand why a growing number of customers want to go down uh, full battery electric uh, vehicles. Well, in fact, we were uh, we had the chance to spend some time with Alfonso Albaiza in the, in the new Z, which uh, is very much an internal combustion engine vehicle <laughs> and manual, by the way. Uh, and he was on uh, the program uh, recently extolling the virtues of that. You don't have to convince Nissan buyers to get into EVs because they've been in them. Does the industry need to convince non-EV buyers Again, I think it's gonna it, 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 it's gonna come. I think, uh, you know, and again, what we're seeing in the clinics and talking to to people is the enthusiasm around the the product, the the, the Nissan area in particular. 
as you drive it is so strong that, that that's, how, that's how we're going to create buzz, word of mouth, enthusiasm for the, for the, from the customer to the, to the model. And I, I think probably that's what's going to happen altogether in the, in the market. You know, it needs to be relevant to everyone. Not, not everyone has multiple cars. Uh, so the pace at which everyone uh, and the reasons why someone buys a car is, is very personal and down to its use. But um, again, we, I, I, it, it, the, tr the, the trend is there, resolutely strong. Uh, the government is doing what it uh, needs to do in order to support the demand and, and facilitate the emergence of a, of a new technology where lack of economies of scale and so on can some, somewhat make it difficult. But, uh, you know, as, as that support comes, as the focus on charging network exists, and as the cars have a much better range and a terrific uh, driving experience, we're, uh, we're going to see the, the market grow uh, definitely over the next uh, 10 years. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of um, impediments related to infrastructure, but uh, we've, we've had some executives on the show who uh, are very pro-EV who say this is no different than the turn of the last century as it related to the transition, obviously, to uh, gas-powered vehicles. Roads needed to be established, gas stations, infrastructure of that nature. Is that just the evolution of it? I think you and I would agree this is not a flip of a switch in any, in any way. It is, it is an evolution, and it will be an evolution. It's is that an, how you see it? It's an evolution, but we are, we are nearing a, a point where yeah. it, the market kind of uh, flips because yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a lot of momentum. You mentioned the charging. I mean, people underestimate how much charging at home actually makes the journey and the use of an EV uh, so, uh, so easy. Um, you know, we've done some modeling and thinking, and um, we easily can see 40% of our cars in 2030 being uh, uh, electrified, uh, fully electrified vehicles. So, and, and, I, and, I, and, and I think that's what the market will be, will be asking for as well. Is that where the market will be, do you feel, at that time too? I, again, I think both how the consumer is changing, how the technology goes into the market, and the support that the, the government is bringing clearly creates, a, creates the circumstances where those numbers are, you know, reasonable numbers to target. You know the conversation's changing when you overhear tables at a restaurant and someone says, well, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a vehicle, but, you know, you hear, quote, well, all, all that is available are EVs now. And so in, main, in the mainstream non-automotive world that we live in, you now, now you start to hear consumers with the realization that there is a transition that's occurring. What else needs to happen to get more people on board? And maybe it is just ease of use at home charging. Um, yeah, charging for sure, charging, charging time. Um, but again, investments are being uh, yep. done in that area to facilitate uh, customer use. Uh, Range. We're now at uh, 300 miles uh, in uh, in confidence. How much more do we need? But you know, we're we're basically uh, uh, we're basically offering now a uh, range that is uh, uh, really covering most of the, if not all of the usage that the customer has. I, I think it again. It depends on where the customer is, uh, what he needs. The car is it an everyday car? Is it the second car in the in the household, maybe a third car in the household. 
the importance of driving pleasure, the importance of quietness, the importance of uh, you know the the peaceful and restful environment that an EV uh, that an EV brings. Um, but I, I think again, talking about tipping point with range charging and uh, and. Uh, uh, what we have to offer here at Nissan, I, I think we're very near that point. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Nissan North America chairperson, Jeremy Papin. And to see my interview with Jeremy, go to the Cars and Cultures YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe to see some 75 episodes. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep. As technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars. From industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Now the continuation of my conversation with Nissan North America chairperson, Jeremy Papin. And to see my interview with him, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see some 75 episodes. You have so many uh, technological advancements packed into this Aria vehicle that's sitting here uh, uh, just uh, behind us. Is, is this a point in the industry where if you, if you had your analyst hat on back then and looked at it, you would say, Technologically now, we're at a far superior pace than we ever could have imagined at this point. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot <laughs> there's in there. There's a lot in the, in the, in the, in the vehicle, and the, and the good news is there's a lot packed at a, uh, at a uh, uh, price from the, for the consumer that really makes it attainable again. And so, and I think that's what, you know, when I was an analyst, <laughs> volumes mattered, and now that I'm a, running a car company, volumes absolute do matter because we want to sell products that the wider, greater number of people can buy. And I think that's what we have to offer today. So the technology is around um, autonomous driving functionalities that allow you to be very, very confident and safe on the road, uh, you know, preventing uh, any, any mistakes and, and really helping and reducing um, the need for the for the driver to be in, engaged extensively uh, on a highway drive, for example, it's connectivity, and what connectivity brings in terms of again uh, making your life more simple or the entertainment experience inside the vehicle um, several steps ahead of what was on offer uh, before, um, and and then there's always the you know fun to drive if you're the driver even more so the acceleration, the quietness. Um, so when I see, again, all of it packed together uh, and uh, in, the, in, in really the core segments of the U.S. market, where the U.S. consumer is, this is, this is, this is for the masses, this is for, for everyone, right? Uh, and it can be the, the one and only car in a household. That's what we are creating our EVs with in mind. Like, we want, we want to target those, those customers. Um, making sure they get everything they need and, uh, and uh, a terrific experience. We had the chance to try, thanks to you, had the chance to try ProPilot 2.0, which was really the first time that I've um, uh, had the chance to get behind the wheel and not touch the wheel in your, one of your vehicles. <laughs> Is there some convincing to do with the American public? Because there are others who are out there who may not be as responsible in what they're saying about their 
pilot systems, if I can use the term pilot again. <laughs> again, how we, how we executed ProPilot uh, 2.0 is uh, to offer a sense of confidence, the one you, you, mm -hmm. uh, you uh, experienced, that you know, immediately make you comfortable because you know what you're doing, you, you absolutely know where you're going, you know you're in control if need be, but you also get a sense from the car that it is absolutely in control in a smooth way. That's what matters to us, smooth, the smooth way. Um, and uh, you know, nothing is, nothing is uh, violent or uh, neither the braking, the acceleration, the turning, it's just very smooth. And so as long as that can be displayed, and I think the technology, the amazing work that R&D made, that's what we're delivering to the marketplace. As if that type of execution, for me, that's uh, absolutely no problem to uh, any uh, uh, autonomous driving uh, system. So again, I think ProPilot 2 is establishing in the segment something that is uh, a segment leading uh, capability. How far can we go with that kind of technology? in the near term? I think this is uh, the best of the near term uh, that we're bringing to the market. Uh, and it's just going to be, as the Japanese say, Kaizen, you know, we evolution, evolution yeah. in terms of uh, safety. Um, what, what, again, what we bring is uh, driver-centric technology, seamless, uh, confident. And so uh, just to make sure uh, we bring real technology to realize what is the company's purpose and aspiration, which is to eliminate fatalities on the road. So we have a zero fatality goal, and every step we take around autonomous driving is aimed at performing to that uh, vision. Technology has also overtaken the car buying process, and I'm sure there are some who are listening to this program saying, well, for, I can't put my finger on it, but it's become easier to buy a car today than it was three years ago. Of course, your retailers and other, other retailers really pulled forward in terms of how they handle customers and uh, click, uh, shop, click and buy. Are we getting to a better place with that kind of experience as well? Uh, yeah, definitely. The whole experience um, accelerated with COVID, right? Yeah, we, right. Everyone was at home uh, and there's still a need to buy a car, to have a car. Uh, so uh, uh, today, uh, you know, we've launched uh, in uh, uh, 50 states in the USA, uh, Nissan at Home, which is an absolute, you know, complete, I would say, digital experience. But again, the, the whole idea is to help the retailers be where the client is, uh, being absolutely seamless to whatever technology we put together and what they have to offer, absolutely, um, uh, confident and knowledgeable that the consumer at one time will want a physical experience. Is it going to the dealers to drive the car, test drive the car, or does he want it at home and we just facilitate that from home? Uh, or does he want to, when he buys it finally, but there is a step in the process we see where digital only is not what the consumer wants. But what he wants is to gather all the information he can, um, make a lot of choices online at his pace. And what we want to deliver is the technology to do that. And the fact that when he's going to be with one of our uh, 1,100 dealers, he will actually know the, the, that, that uh, retailer will know who the customer is, how far he is in uh, selecting a, 
a, a model, a Nissan model, and just making sure that 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 journey is as as uh, good as an experience as it can be, and as the technology allows it to be delivered. And we're happy to see that, you know, a very big majority uh, of our uh, of our dealer network is fully embracing this. Be where your customer wants to be, and then just accompany him, uh, supported by the technology. Would that change have occurred had COVID not happened? Yes. Okay. It just. It just it happened just faster. Pulled forward. I know we we accelerated some of our development, and uh, but it was gonna it was gonna happen because that's the reality of how convenient it is from to to shop from home, right? Again, the importance being that uh, no one's making a decision for the customer of when and how and where he needs to shop, uh, nor are we making it for the our dealers, but we're making sure we're supporting both of them to meet at the right place and have a, an easy uh, discussion around buying a great product. Buying a, a great product has become much more difficult because there aren't any on lots and there haven't been. And now the uh, supply chain uh, crisis, logistics problems, chip shortages linger now into year two and year three. Some say that it will be 2024 before this is completely back to a more normalized level. What do you think? I have no crystal ball, uh, and so I've learned to be humble uh, on this topic. But what I, I know what I've worked on, what we've worked on at Nissan in uh, uh, you know, alleviating surprises and, uh, and, uh, and uh, change to plans. And so maybe a year ago, you and I would have discussed, I would have told you I've got dozens of supply issues. Uh, and uh, back six months ago, I was really down to maybe eight. Now I'm down to one or two. And for each of them, I know we're working on internal plans to add uh, to, supply, to the supply base, uh, simplify sometimes the parts or the chips we're using to make sure we have access to a wider uh, you know, range of, uh, of uh, initial materials. And so as we do this, we're absolutely de-risking the business and making sure there's much more availability for the customers, right? So it's a process. As you live through it every day, it feels as if it's slow. As you look at how many problems you've solved and how much more availability you created, you're actually quite happy with the pace at which it's, uh, it's improving. So I, I would say, again, we know how to react to, uh, to, uh, to uh, uncertainty. But uh, we're very methodical about uh, what R&D and supply chain can do to fix the problems in order to make sure the retailers and the customers keep getting the cars they, uh, the, the market is uh, asking for. And in March of 2020, you, the, the list of problems was probably incredibly lengthy on your whiteboard, I'm guessing. Yeah, very, very lengthy. We, at the time, uh, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't sell because the dealers were uh, shut down. We couldn't produce because the plants were shut down, right? So we had to reopen the plants, reopen the dealers, make it safe for everyone um, uh, to restart the business. Uh, we are far from, there, from this uh, today. Uh, the demand for vehicles, the demand for Nissan is extremely strong. Uh, so we have, you know, the, the, we're in the good situation where uh, the consumer is there. The consumer is asking for more, uh, and uh, you know we're working towards completely fulfilling that uh, that level of demand. That is still 
higher than what we are able to uh, to produce today. Yeah, yet yet another uh, curveball for the industry among many over the last few years is now you have macroeconomic pressures, rising interest rates, increased cost to borrow, things like that. It's like you can't kind of get ahead here, yeah. right? Well, isn't it fun? <laughs> right. I you tell me. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind the uncertainty. I don't mind the, the curveballs. Um, again, um, the market, there's a lot of pent-up demand in the market. Mm -hmm. uh, consumers have had to hold on to their cars for longer. Service lanes are seeing all the cars come through, making bigger repairs than in the past. Um, so uh, the, the demand is there. The, 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 the age of the fleet in the market is uh, one of the highest it's ever been. Uh, and uh, you know, and we're determined to uh, keep uh, keep the keep the consumer being able to have the cars and have them at the at the at the you know the right price uh, for him to continue to have uh, you know the tool he needs to go to work, pick up the kids. I mean, you need you need a car uh, in many many of the places in the USA, right? So that's what matters to us. And so, yeah, I can, we can adjust to rising interest rates. We can adjust to some lockdowns in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in uh, some places of the world when they occur. We, again, all of this is just something that we're comfortable uh, addressing step by step, methodically. And you're going to update your core products when you talk about the core of what, of what really is the key to your success. You're going to update your core products at a faster pace going forward. I think you had a you had a Frontier that was a 14-year-old truck. Uh, you're not going to have those kind of life cycles on vehicles going forward, right? Definitely not. Um, the USA has been made a priority market for Nissan, and the best way of showing it is a priority market is uh, holding those patterns of uh, uh, renewing uh, core products uh, down to what the, the, the consumer is expecting, the industry is expecting, which is you know maybe five or six years. Uh, but, you know, we just renewed a Rogue. We just renewed a Pathfinder. Um, and, uh, and those are the core products of Nissan. Terrific execution. Uh, combustion engines, but terrific, uh, terrific execution. So, uh, but definitely, yes, there will be momentum and also momentum in the life cycle management of the products. Uh, uh, bringing in uh, new uh, uh, trims or versions so that the customer, there's always something new going on at, uh, at Nissan. There's always, uh, you know, a good reason to look again at the brand and experience how much the products have changed. The products have changed and your customer's changing. You said recently you have a more affluent customer now coming in to buy Nissans. You expect that trend to continue? I mean, uh, we haven't yet talked about Infinity, but I'm, but I'm guessing you have a home for them too. I expect it to, to, uh, to, to continue, but without losing any of the customers that, uh, that we had, right? What we want, again, is the experience with Nissan and uh, the value proposal um, to be one that allows the greater possible number of people uh, to, to have a Nissan. So uh, customers of the past, uh, we absolutely want to keep because they just love the experience uh, and enjoy uh, good and stronger residual values. Uh, new, new customers to the brand who are rediscovering the brand because of completely new cars, new designs, segment-defining cars in so many areas of the marketplace. 
uh, they're all very welcome. And then what we have to uh, offer is beyond the terrific design that Alfonso created, the experience driving the car, there's also uh, an experience in terms of uh, servicing, working with the, uh, with the retailers, and uh, again, the value proposal through the residual value management that make it an obvious choice once you're in the brand to just continue to stick with the brand and enjoy so much of the wide range of products we have. I mentioned Infinity. What's the evolution of that brand? And Infinity will be just exactly the same. I think mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, you know, Infinity has something that's unique in the market is that how, how it executes on, uh, on uh, the, the, uh, in, in the driving experience is uh, somewhat um, very different to anything uh, that, that, uh, that we've seen in, uh, in that segment because it's truly Japanese in the sense that it is a tech, it's tech heavy with an attention to details that is uh, typical of uh, uh, Japanese hospitality. And so the, the, the car, those cars are built to, for the passengers and the driver to feel the hospitality. And so I think that that's a customer promise that, you know, without having to travel to Japan, you can experience every day on the road in the, in the, in the, in the USA. When I look at the all new QX60, uh, that is a, uh, uh, the, you know, by far the best car there is in that segment of the market, absolutely uh, uh, superbly designed, the quietness, the whole interior design, the quality of the materials. Um, it's again, one step, uh, one step forward and, uh, and uh, uh, something we think is draw it, and we see it drawing more people and attention into the product um, and experiencing exactly this, what a, what a um, uh, you know, uh, premium, premium brand from Japan has to offer in terms of technology access and attention of the, to the uh, hospitality in the car. Well, and just to the point on performance, there is such a long history with the Nissan brand focused around that performance piece of it, the, the Japanese culture that exists. There is, there is a real culture around the history of this brand, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what Nissan is all about. Thrill, the ride, the joy of the ride, uh, the, the drive, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, no wonder we're uh, extremely famous for the Z, for the GTR, yeah. uh, which, you know, push, push those concepts uh, further, but also in the, in the everyday experience that can be offered. The road handling, the, the fun, fun to drive is something that we take a lot of attention to uh, because we know, uh, as all of us are drivers, that, that repeated fun to drive feeling, that what that's what creates uh, you know, stickiness to the, to the product. I started this program asking you about cultural shifts, and let's just go back to that for a minute. Uh, Nissan obviously is, has gone through a lot over the course of the last number of years uh, in America and also globally. How is the culture shifting inside Nissan? Um, it's again a big, uh, big, uh, big culture shift. Uh, um, we are uh, more than ever a customer-centric company where uh, uh, we uh, uh, are always uh, thinking about uh, does it make sense for the customer? Are we, what are, if we are, what, how we are doing something? Is it, are we bringing something new to the customer? Uh, and, uh, and so 
that's one shift. And then, as I said, this is a learning company. Uh, we know uh, we don't know everything, uh, especially when so much is changing so fast. So this is about how do, as a company, we consistently learn? How do we manage so that uh, people know that learning is good? Learning is, learning is, uh, is, is right. Saying, I don't know, and calling for colleagues to think about a problem mm -hmm. in a more holistic way is a good thing to do. That's what we've brought uh, to the company in the, past, uh, in the past few years. And so the, that creates, you know, as I see it, a culture of belonging, a culture of I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable being here. I'm better now at my job than I was two or three years ago. I'm learning. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm giving chances to do it again. That's, that's what's new and that's what, we're building, uh, that's what we're building here. And again, with confidence, feeling super comfortable about change. We're not afraid, you know, we're confident about what's coming our way, even if we don't necessarily know what's coming. You didn't know what was coming your way in the last couple of years. How much have you changed? Oh, I've changed a lot, uh, definitely. How so? um, I'm a cheerleader now. Okay, <laughs> not a but, not a not a fireman anymore. <laughs> so it's uh, it's uh, and uh, and and that I think that's you know that's uh, very interesting. But again, it's it's also how I've been opening up to change and learning, uh, and uh, and uh, I, I think you know the, the 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 tone at the top and how you behave. That's what creates culture. So you know we have a, a list of kind of core principles that anyone would agree to, and then the company sees me behaving systematically as per those principles, our management team uh, being the same, and that creates a huge, I think, sense of um, there's a direction, everyone's embracing it. You know, that, that, that's, that's how I change. I, I, I think much more about what I do and how I can be better without ever being, being worried about it. It must be an inspirational journey for you, I'm sure, when you think about where, where, you, where you were, if we go back to the, the analyst days we talked about at the beginning, to, to where you are now, and even just the, the pathway over the last, the last little while. Yeah, but Ooh. this is less about me than, you know, the positive changes I'm seeing come through the, through the company. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, uh, the, the, the change in the brand perception. The uh, change in the relationship with the retailers, the change in the relationship with the suppliers, the intimate uh, relationships that we have where joint success is success. This is not fighting for margins on one side or the other. It's collectively fighting for success. The fact that this brand has so much potential and ability to grow revenue streams beyond what it was used to uh, used to experiencing. Um, uh, again, the happiness, uh, the engagement that uh, the uh, people who work for Nissan, you know, about 45,000 people in, uh, in Nissan Americas express regularly through surveys in terms of how the company is changing. This is more of a company for them. They feel passionate about the success of the company. They understand how their job every day contributes to the success of the company. That's what I'm focused on. And so, yeah, of course, uh, when I was an analyst, was I thinking like that? Not at all. But, you know, I'm so proud of leading this team 
uh, and this big group of people towards what's ahead and what we're bringing to market and what we're trying to solve for. That um, you know that that's what that's the biggest change. But again, it's all it's all expressed in the success of the company. Well, I'll say something you probably can't say, but from my impression of having known this industry for 25 years, Nissan to me feels more humble than it has in the past. So you don't have to agree or disagree. Uh, how have you changed as a person living in Tennessee? You've become much more of an American football fan, I'm uh, sure. American football fan, the Nash, the, an uh, outdoor fan. Tennessee Titans, the Nashville Predators. For sure, I cheer, <laughs> I cheer for the teams, but also, you know, uh, Football on Friday uh, on Friday nights at uh, Friday night lights at at the at the at the high school, uh, yeah. Coming from Europe, that was uh, that was uh, that was not my uh, that was not my Friday night, but I absolutely <laughs> fully enjoy it. Um, and so and so again, and the people here again are so nice, so welcoming, and because there's. A lot of good things going on from in favor of Nashville at the moment in terms of its transformation. It just sets a tone of optimism, of growth, of that's new. Um, and I think, you know, that, that, that's exactly the environment in which you want any company to be, mm. right? And so uh, I've, been, uh, I've been enjoying uh, visiting many of the states uh, over the past uh, yeah, you've been to some uh, four years. 28 states, I hear. Yeah, or maybe by, by now, probably more than 30 even. Okay. And, uh, and so I can tell you, I've seen no one as friendly and welcoming as the people of Tennessee. And so <laughs> I'm really happy calling this home, and you know, I'm looking forward to the next 10 years. Final thing, uh, you, you might call Tennessee home, but when the World Cup begins here in November, w which side are you rooting for? Are you rooting for France or are you rooting for the United States? Or, or are you rooting for Canada or Mexico or any anyone in South America? <laughs> uh, I, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of teams that will be uh, uh, competing for the for the championship. I guess I will really know for who I root um, uh, if any of those teams uh, fight against uh, one another. Um, I was really happy when France was uh, world champion four years ago. So. If I can live that feeling again, that would be fun. 